Hi, whenever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program, how they can act as uh, what they call as anchor customers to some of these technologies uh, that may be of interest for them as well. So unfortunately, even to this day, I don't really see how, you know, government demand consolidated by ISRO is exposed to some of these companies. That's after these headlines. Pfizer and BioNTech said yesterday that the first results of tests of the COVID-19 vaccine in children in the age group of 5 to 11 years of age showed the vaccine to be effective. Further, the COVID-19 vaccine was well tolerated with side effects generally comparable to those observed in participants of 16 to 25 years of age, the company said in a press release. A smaller dose was chosen for the young children and they were given two shots of the vaccine 21 days apart, according to the statement. The companies had previously already said that their vaccine was effective for children of 12 years and above. Amazon has launched an investigation into the conduct of its lawyers in India following a complaint from a whistleblower who alleged that one or more of the company's legal representatives had bribed government officials TechCrunch reported, citing a report by Morning Context. The company is investigating whether legal fees financed by it were used for bribing government officials. Amazon has also placed a senior corporate counsel on leave, TechCrunch reported, citing Morning Context. Razorpay, a fintech unicorn in Bangalore, said on Monday it has received a strategic investment from Salesforce Ventures, the venture arm of Salesforce.com, which makes business software on the cloud. The investment will help Razorpay further strengthen its presence in the business banking space, it said. The two companies did not disclose the size of the investment, but the partnership will make an impactful contribution to the industry and drive adoption and financial growth for underserved small businesses over the next 12 months, they said in their release. Cars24, an online marketplace for used cars, has raised $450 million in a new funding round led by DST Global, Falcon Edge and SoftBank Vision Fund 2, the company said in a press release. The round includes $340 million in Series F equity investment and debt of $110 million. China's Tencent and existing investors Moore Strategic Ventures and Exor Seeds also participated in the round, the company said. The investment has made Gurugram-based Cars24 a unicorn, valuing it at $1.84 billion, Economic Times reports. India's private space tech startups are on the rise, but still face challenges including growth capital and the absence of a consolidated procurement policy from the government, according to experts like Narayan Prasad Nagendra, Chief Operating Officer of SatSearch, an international marketplace bringing together space sector suppliers and buyers, especially in the upstream industry. I spoke to Narayan about opportunities for India's private space companies and a conference he's organizing next month on India's new space ecosystem. Here's more. Uh, Narayan, welcome to this podcast and uh, thank you so much for making time for this. And uh, to get us started, uh, I guess it would help a little bit to, uh, you know, know a little bit about your work. I mean, you've been a space technologist for a long time. You've also been an entrepreneur. And uh, maybe you can also talk a little bit about your current work at SatSearch and uh, we'll go from there. 
Sure. Thank you very much, uh, Hari, for having me on your podcast. As a background, uh, I am uh, kind of a master in uh, having done a lot of different things from you know mechanical engineering to space instrumentation and uh, supply chain management. And I've now uh, running SatSearch for the last uh, six years. So SatSearch itself is a marketplace. It's today perhaps the largest marketplace in the world for satellite and space-related equipment. We have about 3,000 suppliers that we work with and you know over 12,000 monthly active users on our site uh, from uh, over 100 plus countries. And we've helped suppliers uh, around the world get uh, opportunities worth over 200 million euros in the last uh, 12 months. So you know, one of the things that I see, of course, is uh, especially from India, the ability and the potential for some of the Indian suppliers to connect with the global trade ecosystem. And that's where you know my interests lie in India and, and with SatSearch. Hmm. And uh, you uh, you have news uh, about uh, and one of the reasons uh, we are connecting today. Uh, you have news about a very interesting conference uh, uh, on what you call the new space uh, ecosystem in India. But uh, before we get to that, it probably would be great uh, to get get a sense of how the industry has evolved in India from the early days of ISRO to the latest private startups. Uh, and you're in a great position to give us a kind of brief history of this evil evolution, if you will. Uh, maybe uh, you can go with that and then we'll get to the conference. Sure, absolutely. So I always say that, uh, in my opinion, there have been uh, four generations of entrepreneurs uh, in space technology in India. The new space wave, of course, is making a lot of noise in press and other ways. But, you know, if, typically if you are a space historian and you go back to studying the history of space in India, I would say, you know, the four generations can be split up by saying that the first generation of entrepreneurs were basically coaxed or even uh, in some ways, uh, you know, lured by ISRO to work with them. And, you know, it's from the 70s on when uh, Professor Satish Devan wanted the industry to be involved. So there was a bunch of people who formed an industry kind of a committee and found companies that they could work with, you know, companies who were doing work in, you know, cement or sugar or, or you know, other such sectors and had some equipment, some machinery, some level of expertise, some level of quality control that were all present. And essentially they were told about, uh, you know, the ability to get into space and work with this row and ISRO having to give them a lot of the manpower and then, you know, training and, and so on. So that was uh, one generation of entrepreneurs. You know, for example, I remember a story that Sudarshan was mentioning in one of my podcasts where he mentioned about how, you know, they went to Andhra Sugars and told them about uh, UDMH and then, you know, 1% UDMH solution was used in uh, uh, by apple farmers, for example, to increase the productivity of apples and the shine. And then, you know, that led to UDMH being produced in the industry where UDMH is a rocket fuel. So, you know, those are some of the typical kind of stories that are very interesting and very insightful. There's also companies, you know, like Godrej or Valchinagar, who've been around for a long, long time. And for them, it's more about uh, supporting India as a country and pride of being an Indian company and a legacy of having to, you know, run a family business for generations together. And those kinds of, you know, uh, you know, business houses, I guess, are supporting ISRO and the mission early on uh, as an institution, as a national institution, and not from a perspective of uh, large-scale profits or, or so on, right? So that's the first generation of people. The second generation of people, I would say, are more of uh, the late 90s or, you know, or late 80s or late early 90s, 
where basically you have uh, either former ISRO personnel themselves who quit ISRO and have started companies to service ISRO requirements. You're seeing now some traction with defense and aerospace as well, where basically, you know, the knowledge and the frameworks that you use in space are very relevant for work in defense and aerospace as well. So you have that cross-sector compatibility that comes in. So which means that if you do something in space with this role, perhaps you could also do something with DRDO or, you know, HAL or NAL or, you know, many other institutions that work in the defense space and aerospace ecosystem, right? So that's the kind of the scale that, you know, those range of entrepreneurs saw. And there's also a number of other SMEs who came up during the time who were either started by, you know, fresh IIT graduates who came out or other, you know, people who saw an opportunity there. And that's also the time when the PSLV was coming live into the market uh, with full operational launches and so on. So this is, you know, a momentous kind of occasion because that's the core group of SMEs that uh, that were formed during the time, right? So those today still form the bedrock of much of the supply chain in India with respect to space. And there's about 150 companies who are, uh, you know, the foundation of all of this uh, during that time. And then I would say that the third generation of entrepreneurs are more or less, you know, the post 2000 era of companies. They're not really prominent today because uh, either, you know, they're prominent for wrong reasons or uh, they've just wiped off the face of the earth in that sense. So some of these uh, companies that come to mind is uh, people like Devas or, you know, Earth to Orbit or... Uh, uh, team Indus or others. Uh, today, there's not much press coverage about uh, all of these things, uh, given the new space wave of startups. But essentially, I would say that these were the first generation of people who really wanted to do something independent outside of the ISRO supply chain. They were really looking at uh, how do we do something that is independently driven, that doesn't need ISRO as a customer, but essentially can look at uh, you know being able to service the market independently. There were, of course, a lot of challenges for these uh, generation of entrepreneurs because uh, you know given that uh, there was not really a regulatory framework or even an investment scenario for uh, any, any of these companies to thrive to a large basis, uh, the struggles of them were very kind of harsh. Uh, you could also consider some of the you know people who wanted to do uh, satellite based servicing by themselves had uh, you know possibly then uh, it uh, drifted off things like you know z wanting to do its own satellite comes to mind so you know those were many of these stories that were not very well documented in the public sphere and it's not very well uh, available to anybody who wants to look up all of these things unless you're a industry insider so that you know, is a generation that um, possibly you know failed to a large extent to uh, because the maybe the ecosystem was not really ready uh, for that kind of a change. But today, I think uh, post uh, 2012 2013 era, you see a number of upstream and downstream companies that have come up that wants to build satellites, wants to build rockets, or wants to use satellite data in one way or the other, where uh, essentially they would uh, want to have their own products and services independently. Of course, you know, they have unlocked uh, this fourth generation of entrepreneurs is what I call them. And they have unlocked, uh, you know, venture capital investment, seed stage investment. Earlier, the third stage or the third wave of investors were mostly foreign investors that had some satcom interest or high net worth individuals who were looking at space as an interesting avenue for them to invest. But, you know, you need institutional investors to unlock a lot of the capital. And that's happened with the fourth wave of entrepreneurs with the new generation of new space startups that are out there. 
essentially you know this uh, is an interesting way because the bedrock that is available for these fourth generation of entrepreneurs is very strong they have the infrastructure and the uh, you know trained human resources uh, that are available the supply chain that the hisro guys have built over the last 50 years available for them to leverage all of that they have the software talent in the in the country that they can kind of leverage on and there's a, a lot that they can uh, use as the foundation to independently build products and services i would consider them as new space if they are you know trying to build something independent and not just uh, trying to sell something to isro in one way or the other but essentially are trying to build ip for themselves uh, they have independent capital that they are running off of and then they are able to either service a, a business customer or a consumer directly in one way or the other and you know are focused on building in india and uh, selling uh, just uh, you know within the indian market or outside of india as well so these i think uh, today form you know this four waves of entrepreneurship that have come up in india and we have about 50 new come up we have about 50 new startups that have come up in the last 5 uh, years or so and you know i see a, an opportunity for having about 200 companies come up in the next 5 uh, years or so awesome so um, so in this backdrop um, uh, sat search uh, i understand is collaborating with dassault systems uh, to organize this uh, conference on what you call the new space ecosystem and uh, this is in bangalore delila palace on october 7th uh, tell us about this absolutely so the conference itself you know it's been a couple of years since any space conference happened in india of course anywhere around the world as well due to the covid situation and uh, you know the opportunity that we see for a number of suppliers is to integrate themselves into the global ecosystem unfortunately you know space around the world is done in a way where suppliers interact locally with their local space agencies or local governments and are you know and are mostly catering to requirements from those particular uh, requirements locally that are arising right so today the opportunity that we see for a number of indian suppliers is to look at uh, you know making themselves visible to the global supply chain you know when i ask a average engineer in us or europe tell me one supplier that you know that uh, is based in india and can you know give you some sort of a product or a service uh, that is space technology related then you know the answer is often i have no clue who is in india so this is also a knowledge gap that exists in the global supply chain so the goal of the conference of course is to expose uh, some of these suppliers through the conference and their capabilities and and also i guess uh, it's also for the young crowd which is the new space crowd which is number of these startup companies that are looking at uh, you know developing satellites or rockets or otherwise to expose them to some of the existing supply chain in india and the suppliers who who they can leverage uh, you know their manufacturing capabilities or their infrastructure in one way or the other to you know have them uh, leverage the existing base and infrastructure in india to kind of uh, you know uh, then use the opportunity to network with each other right so that's the kind of uh, the goal and the intent of the conference itself and as i said you know we expect about uh, 40 to 50 suppliers uh, to be there and hopefully you know we'll have somebody from uh, in space isro and uh, uh, and the government ecosystem to also address some of the insights that they have as the, you know some of the regulatory and the policy uh shifts are happening in india hmm. and uh, who would be kind of the ideal uh, uh, no attendees at the conference who would you like uh, to attend this conference uh, where can they find information and register themselves sure so 
the conference is targeted at what we call as the upstream of the ecosystem. So essentially somebody who is building some sort of a hardware or a ground segment equipment that will go into space or, you know, will support satellite hardware. Uh, essentially, you know, uh, we're not really targeting, let's say, the downstream of the ecosystem, which is either satellite data or, you know, GPS or other things that are used on the ground. Uh, but essentially, it's a very focused conference on uh, helping satellite manufacturers, you know, startups that are looking at uh, rockets or other such uh, upstream plays uh, out there. So the information is available on the 3DS website. And, you know, I'm happy to share a link uh, for you to also insert in your, uh, you know, transcript of this particular episode for perhaps to for people to then click through and then, you know, look at the conference details. Fair enough. Uh, and give us a sense of uh, uh, some of the uh, most interesting upstream technologies that are uh, coming out of India and how they could benefit by uh, finding partners uh, in, in, in the advanced economies. So one of the very interesting places that I see is, uh, you know, mass manufacturing of satellites. There is a company called Azista that has entered into a joint venture with a Berlin space, uh, with a Berlin-based company called Berlin Space Technologies. And they are looking to manufacture 250 satellites a year in a factory in Ahmedabad. This is one of the most unique efforts and their first satellite is, uh, you know, scheduled to go up in Q1 of 2023. And, you know, that may put India on the global map with uh, satellite manufacturing in uh, mass production scale. Similarly, there's some very nifty kind of companies that are looking at uh, mastering some of the core technologies in the upstream. Uh, some companies that come to my mind are, uh, you know, companies like Bellatrix Aerospace that is looking at uh, producing propulsion devices as well as in-space uh, orbital transport. Uh, companies like Astrogate Labs that is uh, looking at, uh, you know, optical communications technologies and uh, building that part of the ecosystem for data transfer uh, in India. Uh, companies like uh, SkyServe is also interesting. Essentially, they're looking at a uh, play where uh, you can uh, use their uh, you know, processing equipment and hardware and software, for example, to look at uh, optimizing how you downlink data from satellites so that you can you know, save on not downlinking data that captures clouds or uh, you know, unwanted features that end users really are looking for. So you kind of optimize the pipe in which the data flows uh, and only having to do have the data that comes that are interesting to users at the end. So these are, you know, some of the very interesting examples apart from the, you know, traditional startups that everybody knows today, like Skyroot and uh, Agnikul, who are uh, very interesting, of course, in what they're doing with launch vehicle technology. There's also companies like, you know, Dhruva Space that has recently raised a bunch of money as well, looking at satellite uh, and, uh, you know, ground segment and end-to-end -end services uh, there. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting ecosystem that is kind of uh, up and coming and uh, we'll have to see. Uh, and the most interesting bit of all of this is that, you know, today we have a very nice spread, uh, even within the upstream, where people are targeting uh, many things, start starting from end-to-end -end satellite manufacturing to design to uh, specific subsystems that can be of expertise that comes out of India as products. Uh, or you know launch vehicles or so on so that's one of the most interesting things that is coming out of uh, coming out of all of these things hmm uh, give us a sense in simple terms what are some of the most important you know top two or three uh, reforms that india put in place in its uh, space uh, industry rules that is now uh, helping all of these developments 
one of the you know challenges across the world in regulatory affairs is that often in any other western country you will have multiple agencies uh, that you have to talk to to get kind of regulatory clearances right so if you look at the us ecosystem you have uh, faa you know which is looking at uh, authorizing launches and things like that and you have fcc that gives you access to frequencies to operate your satellites or rockets and then you have uh, noaa which is giving licenses to distribute your satellite imagery and then you have uh, you know uh, for example nasa oh, sorry uh, and then you have the commerce department that's doing something that is uh, export control related so it's always challenging for entrepreneurs there to coordinate among you know four different agencies run by the government to get a lot of things uh, you know for them to do trade and this is where i think we can kind of leapfrog a lot of the things here in india where essentially one organization like in space can look at a single window system where all of these functions that will also be needed for indian entrepreneurs to you know do all of the trade that they have to do with their products and services to be consolidated in one single agency and i hope you know that's where we'll be heading towards with all of this where essentially the coordination needed among uh, many of the agencies be be it you know dos or department of telecommunication or you know the defense or uh, you know ministry of home or other such ministries that need to be involved in such decisions they can all kind of come together in one place and uh, it'll smooth out smoothen out the whole process for many of these companies to then uh, have a single window system that they will then be able to leverage to then you know uh, leapfrog all of the existing uh, you know regulatory landscapes around the world okay you uh, already mentioned how uh, one of the uh, challenges right now is also that the indian suppliers uh, don't have exposure and uh, uh, potential buyers don't even know about them uh beyond that what are some of the biggest challenges that still remain in the indian space industry i would say you know there are couple of major challenges that is also interesting one is uh, exposure to demand from the government to startups so one of the things that you see from you know nasa or the european space agency or the japanese space agency or others is that you know once there are some credible startups and credible products that are being planned in the industry by some of these uh, you know venture capital invested companies or some of the mature startups uh, you'll see that you know governments and space agencies in these places are looking at how they can act as uh, what they call as anchor customers to some of these technologies uh, that may be of interest for them as well so unfortunately even to this day i don't really see how you know government demand consolidated by isro is exposed to some of these companies and that's one of those places where we need to address so how space works today in india is that almost all the end users in agriculture or you know in railways or many other end users that are using space based services in india they use it through the missions that isro develops so essentially you know once uh, for example the ministry of agriculture says give me the entire you know crop output in the country the ministry of agriculture is essentially not really paying from its pocket to you know ask isro to build those satellites but essentially isro is collecting those requirements and then turning that into satellite missions and telling the government you know the ministry of agriculture needs this data and this is going to be so many satellites and so many launches and this is what it will cost the exchequer and you know through that when uh, the ministry of finance then clears 
some of those uh, you know projects then you know the data is then passed on to the ministry of agriculture so which means that you know some of these companies don't have the exposure to end users and government demand directly but then if isro is able to even consolidate all of that and say that you know you if you are able to produce some sort of a satellite imagery that is able to be you know pre produced by the industry not the scale at which uh, you know some of the higher resolution satellites operate that may be difficult for a lot of the industry to replicate because that needs you know hundreds and thousands of crores but then even if it is uh, satellites that are in medium resolution or you know uh, some of the niche applications that can be exposed to the, the industry if those are kind of already exposed where government demand is then exposed to the industry that might uh, open up the industry to a large extent so there's uh, not much of a thought in this direction yet as i see it but it'll be interesting to see you know if uh, isro moves in this direction and that'll be very interesting for the industry to then scale because it'll allow government demand to be exposed and then build basing that capacity you know some of these companies can then easily start entering the global market by having that leverage and that heritage of being able to service government demand to then start uh, you know competing at the satellite servicing level or the satellite services level uh, around the world right so that's one of the most uh, interesting changes that i kind of look forward to the second of course is uh, when you look at uh, some of the funding challenges that are out there uh, india does not have still uh, you know series b level funding you know companies that want to raise 40 50 million dollars that's a challenge that still needs to be solved for some of these companies of course you know there's not many companies that have entered that kind of a growth stage yet but i think you know some of these companies Uh, are entering that phase in the next one or two years and uh, that will be interesting to see if uh, you know some of the pes in india or you know large scale vcs who have larger funds in india are able to then uh, you know uh, enter that uh, space and you know fill that gap but of course you know uh, once uh, some of these regulatory challenges are perhaps uh, you know solved Uh, even global funds who are able to invest that kind of equity uh, you know investments at that scale that are maybe then are open up to the sector as well so yeah so i mean these are uh, some of the most uh, interesting things uh, that uh, you know might support the whole ecosystem uh, that i would say are the top things for me at least okay excellent uh, narayan uh, truly insightful conversation uh, in the interest of time we'll have to leave this one here Uh, and i definitely hope to continue the conversation thank you again uh, for making time for this thank you very much for having me hari i mean it's uh, always a pleasure talking to you and uh, you know i hope that uh, you cover more of space and then uh, people are then uh, people can people can then get some more exposure to this industry and i hope to see many more software people in the country join the space industry ecosystem because we do need a uh, lots of people in this industry to come up and uh, build ventures and uh, you know i hope that uh, you know india has the potential of having uh, companies uh, worth at least a billion dollars uh, put together come up in the next 5 uh, years or so and this is something that i'm really excited for excellent that was narayan prasad that's it for this briefing you can find all our podcasts on forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps i'm hari arakli thank you for listening